0: Hello and welcome to Ben's Multi-Story Podcast. This time I'm chatting to Boff Wally, founder member of the anarcho-punk pop band, Chumbawamba, choir master, fell runner, thoroughly nice bloke, and he's also a Burnley fan, but we don't hold that against him. And uh, towards the end there's also a contribution from the cat. Hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed chatting to him. Yeah, so I don't know where exactly to be in if I'm honest. I was thinking about this on the way over, I was thinking there's... There's like different parts to your life. There's the, the thing that you're probably most, I say most famous. You're kind of one of these people that's not famous. Yeah. Even though what you've done is famous. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and I was thinking because there's, there's the fell running. Mm. There's lately now there's the commoners choir, mm. which has this kind of beautiful resonance with how you started out, at least to me. Mm. Um, and the, the storytelling through that. Mm. Um, but I I think you can't be really remiss not to go back to the very start Mm. which is like the the dullest place to start in a kind of a storytelling like you know a linear narrative but it does start um, yeah because
1: these uh, narratives usually start with some big impactful exciting thing and then they go but let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah yeah,
0: exactly Where were the first person on the moon (laughs) but what's your favourite pasta but um, no I think I want to go back to Burnley Okay, because we may be sitting in leafy Yorkshire.
1: Let's go back to your childhood. Let's go back to childhood. Childhood.
0: But I think this is quite important because you know how things dawn on you as you as you're thinking about things. Um, And 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 Boff, um, for anyone who doesn't know, is a founder member and a constant member of of the um, the punk agit pop um, music combo Chumbawamba. Uh, who went for 30 years 30 years yeah which is phenomenal mm. um, it, along some as- would
1: say too long <laughs> many would say
0: <laughs> but um, I just want to go back because <clears throat> this struck me that Burnley you, you, you come from Burnley mm. as he's, uh, that sounded a bit northern like Burnley um, and I live not so far away from Burnley and, and I see Burnley now for what it is today and it's kind of a bit of a it's a funny place Burnley today Um, and obviously not just that side I mean the football has been great for it because you see all the kids walking around with a football kit and they're in the Premier League and and they're doing really really well punching well above their weight yeah Uh, because it's
1: lovely for the town
0: but there's not much else there Mm. and it kind of struck me that when you were growing up there must have been more there there must have been a manufacturing base there there must have been um, more to it than the betting shops the charity shops that seem to be there now
1: yeah I think that I think that I was kind of at the tail end of it, but but um, you know we lived. We, I was born on the street that had a, a huge mill at the bottom of it, which was a working mill, and so that was just kind of normal. But then, but then while I was still at Burnley, obviously all the, the manufacturing industry just collapsed and disappeared, and for a while Burnley was the the, the town in in Britain that had the fastest decreasing population, and um, which is really sad and you know one of the things about the football team is that people support Burnley from all over the place because so many people have left Burnley mm. but they carry on they've still got this f- great affinity with the place because it, it does have a really strong kind of heart uh, you know in in Burnley but a lot of people live in other places you know the London Clarets football sport is it's huge and um, and um, and so yes it did have lots of things going on there when I, and I wasn't aware of the idea that it was it was you know it used to be a cotton mill town and now all the industry's going there's a lot of unemployment i just thought yeah i'm just this is where i live and it's fine but but but, but i always looked as soon as i got old enough i was looking at manchester and thinking wow that's that's everything's going on there
0: but because this is uh, the, Womba, they started and we we'll, i will get your take on we'll get your story because you can read about it online but it's always told by kind of never seems to be told by the people who were there Mm. that makes sense yeah Um, but but they were it was about kind of it was the height of Thatcher wasn't it you know it was kind of born out of the the Thatcher years and it it seems to be kind of rose-tinted glasses now but it was a destruction of the manufacturing base of uh, I know this is going to be political because I don't Mm. think there's much you've done that isn't political yeah and in fact I was listening to um, uh, a singer Grace Petrie yeah uh, a protest singer, yeah. Who I'm a big fan of. And there's a great line in in her songs, um, There's No singers as a Protest Singer, which is yeah. uh, which is the one about the God. I wish the Guardian knew I exist. Um and it's says that there's No Singers a Protest Singer because there's politics in everything I sing or we sing. Yeah. And it's kind of a bit of a uh, you know backhanded kind of insult as it way, but it's true. Yeah. That for you that it strikes me that there's politics in nearly everything that you've done. Yeah. So that was born out of the Thatcher kind of the, the, the there's a lot of kind of polarization so there's destruction of the the the, the northern because obviously that's where the predominantly was the Midlands and the north mm. was predominantly where the manufacturing base was mm. so were you able at that point when you were kind of around the but the early Wumba years and mm. there, there was that political element were you able to see because obviously you're growing up you weren't really aware of that kind of the cotton mills closing and, and of course you look yeah. around here and where, around where I live near Burnley and you go round there 's mills everywhere they're beautiful buildings they 're literally just being left to rot because obviously yeah. the amount of money it would take to redo them, which is really sad because it's easy to let them go to rack and ruin and then just go oh well it's fallen down yeah let 's build something there, yeah as opposed to actually putting the money in to make them the buildings that as as as, as good as they were mm. but were you aware of that um kind of 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 that political of that of that those political Ramifications for for your hometown, or was it literally just was it bigger than that? It,
1: I was aware of it. I was I, I was made aware of it before Chumbwamba and through punk, basically, which was that that um, you know I was happily trolling along, you know, um, going to church with my Mormon family, and you know wanting to go and see Burnley Football Club, and wanting to be a footballer. In fact, you know, wanting to and all that sort of thing, and then and then. I started discovering music and art and started looking into um, thinking about what, what things meant and what they were for and what, you know, and, and, and kind of, kind of coming to a slow realisation over a period of about two years, just, just kind of before punk came into Burnley and, and after punk came into Burnley, of thinking that being a kind of casual racist and homophobe and, and sexist wasn't cool and that the people I'd started looking up to, and the people who who started to become my heroes, which were kind of artists and pop musicians, and and I started thinking, you know, that's that's cool, and it sounds great, you know, like David Bowie, for instance. You know, I remember the first time I heard David Bowie's um Rebel Rebel or Gene Genie, and I was I you know on a little transistor radio, and I remember thinking, this is not something I'm I didn't, I don't know about. It's this bloke, and he's got loads of makeup on, and he's dressing up as a woman. And how do I come to terms with that? With my, you know, my upbringing was very strictly kind of against all that sort of thing. So that was great. It was these like two, two, two years of of trying to understand that a lot of things about not just about Burnley, but about um, the way we were brought up, and uh, not necessarily in my family, but you know, in the church yeah. and everything that that I was that I just I didn't I didn't understand. And then when Punk came along, it was boom, straight out of the out of the water, all that stuff. It was like within a year I'd completely changed everything I thought about about more or less everything. And met all these people from all across Burnley and from East Lancashire, who I didn't know before, who came together as a community because of this music. But but because this music was um it was um looking at things like the Clash and Sex Pistols and and taking it seriously and saying, yes, let's have a look at what's going on around us. And I'd never really looked before. And suddenly I was thinking, wow, yeah, I can see what's happening now. And it was it was that that much of a, a kind of lightning moment. I mean, it, it, was, it was, and it's a total cliche, but it was literally seeing the Sex Pistols on their first ever television appearance on Granada TV, on Tony Wilson's pop programme. And it was the first time they'd been on telly. I'd heard the name because I used to read the music papers but I'd never seen them and and it's not that I thought they were brilliant I didn't think that's the best thing I've ever heard I just remember being completely baffled by it and going to school and talking to other people over the next few weeks who we were all going did you see that band did you see that band with the weird name and it became this thing whatever was going on there it's really interesting and the first thing's he, the first thing he shouted on that on that um on his first ever appearance on television they get their first ever appearance on television Sex Pistols and Johnny Rotten's there and he grabs the mic and he looks into the camera and he shouts um, uh, no flowers of romance Woodstock get off your arse he just shouts get off your arse I just think it's like television death for any, any pop band it's the first words he uttered on TV and to me in my little world in Burnley of football and Mormonism and all that sort of thing that was like incendiary So there's these like two years of then of education and learning and thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to just go to college or whatever, I want to go to art school. I want to be like all these. And that's what did it. And it was, it was, it was fantastic really. And that happened for, um, up until, between 77 and 79, that was this incredible time in Burnley when all these kind of disaffected young people, um, came together and started doing things and so suddenly there were fanzines there were venues you know I'd, I'd never been to gigs I'd never been to a gig in Burnley it was like you'd get some like old blues band that would that would play you know Chuck Berry covers in the corner of a pub or whatever suddenly there were gigs all over and people you know kids my age like 16 17 year old kids were setting up venues and um, uh, yeah when we we would listen to John Peel and we'd go oh did you hear that such and such a band let's see if we can get in touch with them and see if they'll come and play and we'd, we'd get in touch with someone who, you know, who who knew them and we'd go, do you want to come and play in Burnley? And they'd come up to Burnley in a van and somebody would put them up. But, you know, it was like this whole explosion of ideas which also went along with the politics. It was like suddenly, you know, seeing the Slits and the Raincoats and these old, old women bands and understanding about, suddenly understanding about the difference between uh, what I thought before and what, what, you know, the reality of how girls and women operating in the world, and just, wow, this is amazing. And so, between those couple of years, it was just suddenly okay, right? Now I know I, I've, I can I can understand how to read the world now, and that's that's what happened.
0: So then you got. That was a bit of a long answer. That, no, wasn't. no, no, that's a brilliant answer. Um, <laughs> you were
1: expecting a yes or no. <laughs> no, I never expect yes. <laughs> no. I hope never for yes or no's,
0: because mm. um, I'm always aware that it's your story, but I end up doing a lot of talking because I just talk a lot. Um, but so you got off to art college. But then it's because you go; you don't. It's not around here, is
1: it? Art college, don't you? Isn't it somewhere? Well, I did a foundation course at Burnley Tech College, okay. you know, on omarod Road, and and that was that was brilliant because that that really was my year of of working things out, that's even what, if I didn't really understand what I was doing. Well, that's what foundation years are for, aren't they? I did a foundation yeah. year, oh, and you are basically encouraged to do a bit of everything. Yeah, it's the best educational year I ever did. I mean, I didn't do much else after that, but but that was what it, it, it's because in that year I realised okay, this is what I want to do. And, and I thought I wanted to go and do graphic design at college. And uh, I couldn't get... I tried to do fine art at you know, Manchester, Leeds, all these different cool places. Couldn't get in anywhere. Yeah. Eventually oh. got in at Maidstone, and I lasted three months. And doing, I was like, doing fine art? Or doing do it, No, doing graphic design. And I thought, this is actually not what I want to do. I want to be in a band yeah. do with you know my what? friends.
0: Graphic, art, graphic design is the least punk bit of art that can possibly be but you couldn't
1: I think some courses can make it punk mm, I don't know but Maidstone certainly didn't <laughs> no, I was you know designing what? boxes of spaghetti seriously and I yeah. thought I'm, we had to design a, a wrapper for soap and I thought what am I doing and I could see the people in the illustration department and the fine art department doing basically what they wanted to do and I thought what am I doing with this yeah I want to be in a band. I want to see what which did you ever? Have you ever been musical?
0: I don't mean that. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Not before then, not at all. So there was nothing. There was
1: no like. I loved music, but I no. I never picked up a guitar. Never piano. My mum, for some reason, when I left, no, it might have been just when I was going to Maidstone. She suddenly came home with this this old Spanish guitar, not an old Spanish guitar, a new Spanish guitar. One of those you get from a shop that's like. You get a strap and a case, and it's ten pounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, it's got a tiny little body, and it weighs about you know same as a feather. And and uh, and, um, and I thought, oh, I could I could have a go at that. And this singer called Patrick Fitzgerald brought out a single called uh, "Safety Pin Stuck in My Heart." It was the first like acoustic punk single, it was a bit seventy end of seventy seven. And I bought that. and I remember thinking, yes. My mum's got an acoustic guitar and this is acoustic punk. I could maybe do that. And so I started trying to learn how to play his songs on it. And that was it. And then I went to Maidstone, bought an electric guitar on the market in Maidstone Market for, I think, for 10 quid, which didn't work. But I played it without it being plugged in. None of the electrics worked. And I came back to Burnley. We went to a meeting of the, the Musicians Collective, which by then had been set up and all these punks were there and everything. And this piece of paper got passed around that said, "Anyone that's in a band, put your name down and the name of your band, you know, and we'll try and sort out gigs." And so it came to me and two or three of my mates, including Danbert, and we just for a laugh we just wrote down a, a silly name, pretending we were in a band. And about three weeks later, I went back to college. Back three weeks later, they, they rang up and said, "Right, we've got you a gig." And we'd never even, we'd never met or rehearsed or anything. We didn't know what we were doing. So we all gathered at Dan's house and we said, "Who's going to sing? Who's going to?" And I said, "Well, I've got this electric guitar that doesn't work, but I, you know, I'm sure someone." That's and that's and that's the beauty of punk was that you you could have that that platform, having the motivation, you could have the platform. Whereas before, then you knew you had to practice in your bedroom for two or three years to get anywhere. You had to be good to be in a band. Suddenly, you didn't have to be in a you didn't have to be good. You had to have good ideas, and that's what we had so with the advent right and
0: and fast forward 30 years yeah um, with the advent of social media and and I say social media people use that what what I really I suppose what I really mean is like YouTube and I suppose that's 97 years a bit more than that Mm. but is there shouldn't it be easier now to do that punk ethic now you've got these platforms where you can just do all this stuff it feels like the it's there's there should be a lot more kind of punk stuff happening, as I know. because I have this. I have this um, discussion, should we say, with my other half, who hmm. is an old school punk. Who, uh, but but it's kind of like I go, oh, that's not punk. Because well, no, it's not. We have. To, it's not just music. It's a lifestyle. It's like a. Mm. It's a whole thing. It's like the whole crass thing. It's a. Yeah. It's a, a do-it-yourself attitude. Yeah and the DIY thing that's the real punk thing about yeah. it punk's not about mohawks or you know like you know yeah. this fashion Absolutely, it's, about, yeah. it's about a way of life as it were you know yeah. just doing it yeah. just get them doing it and it just feels like there's more opportunity to do that now but less people are doing it does that make sense I mean I don't know yeah. if that's the case or whether it's just outside of my vision it could well be
1: well I, I, I go backwards and forwards on it all the time depending on who I'm talking to I, sometimes I can be really negative really negative, and and feel like like the thing I saw in Punk, like like me describing seeing Johnny Rotten getting his first chance on TV and shouting get off your ass you know, and they could have just switched him off right there. Me thinking, why is nobody doing that now? Yeah. On in the national arena. Loads of people are doing it on YouTube in this in these small spaces. But then on the other hand I can also think, do you know what, it's fantastic that that people have access to things like YouTube and, and the internet and they're doing things in a totally different way. It's not about trying to get on the BBC you now. It's about doing it, getting through to people on a on a much more kind of one to one level, and that's and that's brilliant in itself. And ma- and it's and it, it's, you know, at my age, it's kind of not up to me to try and understand that. I just think that's great, you know.
0: I think it. I think because you said about John Peel, and I know he obviously gets lauded, and rightly so. You know, you get people like oh, John Peel and mm. uh, and people like Andy Kershaw with the world music for for a long period of
1: time. But um, sorry about that. It's all right. Just ignore it. It'll be a, someone selling window guys <laughs> in or something. Um,
0: but the, the, what doesn't happen these days so much is the curation. Yeah. Whereas you had that, you You yeah. had people that the the, the platforms weren't as, as as varied, but you had people like John Peel who would deliver you, would curate all that stuff for you. John yeah. Walton, John Peel, and then obviously spend hours sifting through things and say, right, here's some good shit. Listen to this. Yeah. Whereas this kind of now, there's so much out there that you kind of got to curate it yourself almost, yeah, and it's much harder a job to do because there's that much more to do it.
1: But I'd say, but but in terms of whether it's hard to do, I think one of the one of the saving graces of of what happened when when we were younger was that you had to work to make things happen. You had to really work. So if you wanted a record by, I remember reading about the Residents and about Frank Zappa and his his early Mothers of Invention albums and knowing that they existed my That's one but of my I was like where do you get these records obviously you couldn't get them in Burnley someone said oh you get them in Manchester so we're to me and my mate Sage we we got on a bus to Manchester after school and um, actually no we skipped off school to go to Manchester Look and went around all these record shops and found this old tatty virgin record shops which they used to be really tatty with like old armchairs in them and they had all these American imports shrink wrapped so you couldn't play them but it was just like looking at the covers was like Okay, we've made this effort. We've come all this way. We're gonna to have to. We're gonna to have to buy one of these. You know, I'm buying a an early Mother's Invention album, taking it home, and you, you know, and you couldn't hear it on the on the radio and stuff. No, it was like we had to make an effort to go and do it, and so you felt like we're part this of a club. Is, this now. is
0: the thing. I have this. There's a chap at work, and he loves Spotify yeah and he loves it and I can understand Spotify I can completely understand that that you can yeah. go and you can discover things things that the al- the complex algorithms they use they go oh yeah. you like this check this out check this out check this or someone yeah. can recommend a playlist and all that but and and, and, it, and I'm I'm obviously a bit of a Luddite when it comes to this but I just remember you go up town at lunch from school and you go to the record shop and I spent ages buying records on the strength of their covers yeah
1: you think this looks brilliant I literally yeah.
0: discovered the fall on the strength of their covers yeah and it wasn't about listening to it. It, didn't, it wasn't even hearing the music it was just like that looks brilliant yeah I love that that's obviously something in there is chiming with me from a design point of yeah. view so I'm gonna buy that mm. and because going to Chumbawamba you must have ha- I don't know mm. how much control you had but there's one cover in particular that caused a bit of a stir the it anarchy. anarchy yeah that obviously when when you see it now <laughs> it's a slightly different cover now or oh, there's one with flowers on yeah, it, or yeah. something, which is that was obviously, a Japanese one. Yeah, obviously, yeah. kind of a kind of like, well, that's so far from the yeah. original. Yeah, and that's of a child. It was a child given, but it was someone giving birth to a child, wasn't it? it yeah, was childbirth. Yeah, um, which which the weirdest thing is, of course, is is one of those things that's a, a taboo topic, even yeah. though it's one of the, although saying. It, that, and it
1: was from a children's educational book about childbirth. Yeah, there's nothing horrific about yeah. it. It's just it's just yeah. got
0: the the blood and the membranes and yeah. stuff on it,
1: but. Um, so, there's obviously that there that you've made a
0: deliberate choice. And I'm just mm. saying, because on a covers point of view, mm. that you want to chime with people. You yeah. want to certainly piss some people off, but yeah. you want to appeal to other people that are going to go, wait a minute, mm. what's this? Yeah. Even if they don't know who it is or what it is, they're going to pick it up and go, hello. Yeah. And something about Spotify now that if you've got them all at the touch of a button, it's brilliant, but. Mm you can't replace that feeling of discovery. No. Of just picking up and not knowing. Yeah. Because now you can just scan through, oh, preview that track, preview that Yeah. Preview that track. And also you make a judgment call on something. Because if mm. I've spent 7 99 or 6 or whatever it was for an album then, mm. and I've spent money on it that's taken me a week to save up, I'm going to try and like that record regardless. Yeah, you're going to invest some I'm going to give some time and, into it. Yeah. So I'm yeah. a kind of, a, and I, I know I get accused of living... And it's the same the with 90s. bookshops.
1: Yeah. That idea that you, you may come across something that you didn't know about rather than see I'm I'm really happy for people I know so like Dunstan the other week he, he, he posted something on, on Facebook that said this video has is, is blown my mind so I obviously have to think right I'm going to have to watch it because I know what Dunstan likes I need to have a list, I need to watch see what it is and um, and I'll do that but if Spotify tells me something is really good I, I, I have no interest in that yeah. at all no what, interest what I have no interest in, in following that algorithm that that is trying to tell me what I already like because yeah. I kind of know that anyway, yeah. which is fine. But if someone says there's something new that you don't know about and you should have a listen, then yeah. I, then and I the think, And the more you whoa. like that
0: person, the more you go, hold on, actually,
1: you know,
0: yeah, I know, yeah, like you say, I know what you yeah. like, and actually I'll give that a listen. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um. So uh, sidetrack, so back to, so we're on like, 1979. We're, we've gone to college. We've come back. Yeah. We've we've gone sod this for a game as Soldiers. I want yeah. to play music. Yeah. So fast forward to 82. Yeah. So this is the formation of Chumbawamba. Yeah. But it's come out of something which is, um, I suppose, an anarchist. Would you say it's an anarchist kind of yeah. movement?
1: Yeah. It was, I, it was like discovering Crass in the late 70s. Started... Before Crass, I used to follow the fall, like ridiculously, like following around the country, I went to see him about fifty times, and loved them. And then I, fe- I thought, I felt like they were stagnating. I thought, I think he's got a kind of formula now, and he started doing the same thing over and over again. So, when did you think that? This is just interesting to me. When did you? When did By, you kind of? About eighty-one, after kind of uh, after uh, after about the first three or four albums, maybe, and then and then I and I still think he did fantastic things after that but it was never it it never shocked me he had a niche and he was brilliant at it and he was really good whereas I thought when they first started I'd never seen anything like it when he came on with his ridiculous he just looked like he he was the the anti-pop star with his brown jumpers yeah and and I just thought this is amazing and also I think he I think he kind of quite quickly got rid of the best bands in my I thought Martin Brahma the first guitarist is one of the best guitarists I've ever heard in my life he played guitar like nobody else apart from Terry from the X but then after after the fall I remember being shocked by a crass and I went to see them when I was in Mason at college in some tiny little village hall in Kent and they they were again they were like nothing I'd ever seen I couldn't understand the noise and what it was doing so then I got into all that and that led on to Definitely this anarchist politics and discovering. And then talk, I talked to some people in Burnley that I knew, this, this lad called Spider, who was a bit older than me, who knew about anarchist stuff. I was like, what is this? And he, he took me to a meeting of the direct action movement. It was really boring. But I got some great <laughs> pamphlets and, and I thought, okay, I can get into this. And, and we started like... Um, so then I kind of went to a lot of crass concerts and really, really liked what they were saying. But even then I, I kind of got to a point where I thought, okay, I can see now that I know what they're doing, and okay, it's kind of reached the point where I feel, and I think they were, I think they they thought the same that they were kind of running out of steam doing the thing that things that they were doing, and so then it was like, right, what do I do with all this this information that's coming in, and you know, how do we translate that into into something that we can do, and the one thing that that we thought we could get away with because we 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 spent two summers. Like three or four months at a time, or whatever, busking in Paris, three of us, me and Dan and Midge, and we just went to the um, Pompidou Center outside the Pompidou Center, just busking every day, playing. um, So we played everything from um, like anything we thought was poppy. We had an acoustic guitar, a drum, and Dan sang, and we were doing uh, undertones, um, wire.
0: Who did we do? No, fall in there then.
1: No, we did a swell map song. Because we thought one of theirs was was just about poppy enough to get away with busking. Because we knew we couldn't do anything really. Actually, we did do a fall song. What did we do? Um, no, I can't remember. But I'm fairly sure we did a fall song, an early fall song. But by this time, your guitar playing was—you'd been. You'd I was kind yourself. of just getting the hang of it. Yeah, yeah just bashing.
0: Not out. on your mum's guitar, still. You...
1: Yeah, I was bus, busking one. on my mum with on my guitar. Yeah, and then. And then after that, after the second year of being in Paris, we said, while we were there, we said, we, we ended up great picking down the south of France. And I just thought, OK, I've had enough of this. Let's, let's go home and let's start a band properly and take it seriously. And that would have been 82. And so we, we, we kind of made a real effort then. We're like, right, this, we're going to take it seriously now and, and do what we want to do.
0: See, you're taking it seriously.
1: But because the first album's 86...
0: Yeah, and obviously, there's that's the culmination of quite a few, yeah, like you know, trials and errors or whatever. It, it would be because that's yeah. four years on, but the musicality and that's a terrible word to use, but it's really professional. It sounds like musicians. It doesn't sound like people sitting in a squat with a few, you know what I mean. It doesn't yeah. sound like it's come out of that. It sounds like it's quite. There's a lot of kind of sounds on there. It's kind of pretending a lot of it. Well, it might it might be, <laughs> but, but I but know what you mean. Be. Yeah, but there's, there's sounds on there that you listen to, and you think, "Hold on, this sounds like this. This sounds like this. This sounds like because I can't get over how similar some of it is to Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine." Yeah, and you think, but that was years later, a lot later, yeah. And they were lauded, yeah, kind of having this unique sound and this kind of mm. political twist, and you know that kind of mic... you know, they kind of when you like sounds like on radio and all that stuff. Those All yeah. those, those little tricks. Yeah, you were doing this
1: mm. years before. What we did is, by by the time we'd done that thing where we said, right, let's take this seriously, 1982, what we'd done is, I think, that we'd, between the people that were involved then, we'd accumulated so much... Um, um, we were a bit older than, than the rest of the sort of anarcho-punks that we kind of started with, and it, and it felt like we'd accumulated a lot of uh, cultural information. So we loved in general most of us came from in general this is really broadly speaking from northern working class towns and we'd grown up with kind of musicals and and you know even stuff that that was rubbish and we'd grown up with the beatles and we'd gone through um and the, Alice had gone to, had done a foundation course in art as well and she was a big northern soulay so she had all that thing going on and we were really into uh, art movements like you know the dadaists and the surrealists and the pop artists and all that sort of thing and so we were, and we were initially, you know, all the um, pre-punk stuff, like I was saying, Frank Zappa and the Bonzo Dog Band and all these kind of theatre-based stuff, we got into actually liking theater, some theatre, and then we, we started going to, you know, understanding about folk music, what a fantastic heritage there was in folk music. So, we were like, and you know, we loved the idea that, you like with folk music, like, let's let's do three-part harmonies and like the Beatles... Whereas a lot of punk bands were just thinking, you get a lead singer who, who, you know, he can be a brilliant singer, but our thing was, let's take a bit of this from there and a bit of this from there and a bit of this from there and let's throw it all together and see what we come up with. And I think what we came up with, even even for people that hate it and never liked what we did, which is totally fine, I think it didn't sound like other people because it was too much of a kind of eclectic mix that was going on.
0: But was there any part of you that didn't want people to like it? And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying... Because I always think that Marquis e. Smith... I think he prou- He was quite proud of the fact that people didn't like The yeah. Fall. Yeah. He didn't want people to like yeah. it. Yeah. He almost went out of his way to make it as un- as as hard to listen to as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's quite, quite liked it. Because I thought you had to work yeah. so hard to like it... Yeah. ...to find the, the gold in it.
1: Yeah. That, and that's brilliant. And it rewarded you. Mm. And I'm thinking... Because when
0: you saw Johnny Rotten saying... Get off your ass. Yeah. And there's that bit of you that goes, Well, he doesn't even want to be liked. He, yeah. There's something about that. Yeah. That's rebellion. So you're there and you, you've got all this eclectic mix coming in. Is there a bit of you that in thirty years of Chumbawamba, the fact that it wasn't you're not lauded for the the the, 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 the harmonies, the, the dance music. Yeah. And all that. Is there a bit of you that's quite proud that people didn't like it? Or didn't or, or not the not people, yeah but the music industry and the press and all yeah, that stuff?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely loved it, and and that that did come from. And I think that's what's what's difficult now now for for young people, in in involved in the arts and culture growing up, there isn't that sense where you can do your own thing and and tell everybody else to to piss off, and and you can love it because other people because the industry and the media they hate it so you just think brilliant. This that's not where we want to be. There isn't a lot of encouragement for that. Whereas I think with Punk that gave us a licence to do that. Like Marquis e. Smith gave us a licence to do that and Crass did and, yeah. and and so really early on with the music press we had this this great relationship where we we absolutely loved it if, if they hated us. And um So you deliberately goaded them, you deliberately do things. okay yeah. so or would
0: you or was it just the fact that you didn't want to play the game so that's why they didn't like you? Um, because obviously Anarchy yeah. doing that cover—that's a deliberate ploy, not only to sort the, the yeah. sift out the people who don't like you from those who do like you. Yeah, but that's also saying, "Fuck it, I don't care what you think," mm. and in fact, you won't like this cover deliberately.
1: Yeah, it is. It's like, it's like like with Anarchy. I think of Anarchy the Anarchy album as being quite a slick kind of pop record in general. It's got um, it's got some of the kind of more poppy danceable things that we did on it like um time bomb and give the anarchist a cigarette and it's got like uh, enough is enough you know things that got played on the radio but there the still was the idea certain of certain yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah what shall we do with the cover i know let's put this on it and and that's i just think great let's let's yeah let's ups, yeah. oh i've always loved that idea that it's we used to call it shooting yourself in the foot we go Where's yeah. the shooting yourself in the foot moment? So you've got a brilliant song that, well, you think it's brilliant and it's got the proper structure, and then you think, hey, I've got an idea. For the middle eight, <laughs> let's go, let's suddenly go somewhere completely different and have Harry's dad as a cabaret singer singing, you know, a three, four waltz time thing. And we go, yeah, let's try that. And that's, and, it, and it's because it makes it, it makes it fun for us as well. But at
0: what point? You've, you've got your own record label. So you're putting yeah. this stuff out on your own record label. Mm. Is there, is there, there's obviously some commercial... And I know um, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because if you're doing something that you love, you need to make money off it mm. to survive, to yeah. keep doing that thing that you love. Yeah. But by trying to piss as many people off as you can, mm. then you still want a section of people that you like to like you. Yeah. So yeah. is there any danger? Was there a point when it was that you were shooting yourself in the foot too much or...?
1: Yeah, when it became obvious that that you're right, you always have to have a kind of constituency of people that that actually understand that you're that you're shooting yourself in the foot, and they go with it and they understand it. So, for instance, the first two albums are quite, you know, dancey, poppy, punky, shouty, and then we went right. We need to do something different for the next one. So we sat down, we have lots of meetings, we decide, and we by then we'd started getting really into going to see, you know, Dick Gocken and Leon Russellson and Roy Bailey and all these people. Like, let's do a an a cappella folk album that's just all brit uh, english rebel songs and there's no instruments on it and there's no sign of punk or it's just and we knew that would really alienate lots of people that came to our gigs to jump up and down and have a really good time suddenly we were going hey here's our new album um and it starts with you know you working men of england wonder and 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 so we thought we've got to be careful because we're actually just going to lose everybody but what we discovered is that you can keep doing that and you get a different audience so we got so you get a different audience and then you're allowed to lose that audience and get a different one but and we kept trying to do this that. is a
0: big but as well because my other half's a big fan of Wamba mm. and she always goes but they're so danceable they're so danceable people don't understand how people mm. dance at their gigs and uh, uh, you know and she's got this big love for you and i don't think there's anything you could have That's done. Lovely. That I really she may, like your other she heart. may, yeah, <laughs> she may have liked, she may like certain albums more than others, yeah. But there's that love for you that I think that no matter how much you tried to shoot yourself in the foot and lose audiences, there's still a core that would have liked what you
1: did because of why you did it, and I don't think yeah. you would have lost that audience, yeah. But I think that that audience, but does that come it from could having, have ended up being really, really tiny,
0: yeah. But does that because that because you've got a political kind of motivation at your heart. Mm. Is that a kind of a surefire way? Because I'm, I'm thinking of there's like stand up comedians out there, comedians, like, stand up comedians out there. Yeah. And I know like Stuart Lee, who's, who makes a play of deliberately trying to lose the room yeah. and try and win it back. Yeah. And I think there's. I that. love Stuart Lee. And, yeah, because he's got that, the fall, as well. he's a massive fan of the fall as well. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a bit of the Marquis e. Smith in him. Yeah. That because the harder he tries to piss people off and be as unlikable as he can. Mm. the more people go I see what you've done there yeah yeah I like yeah. that yeah, yeah. I, I like that Yeah, and there's that kind of um, and he takes
1: that and throws that back at yeah, people yeah um, uh, but you can do yeah. it so
0: many times and, I, and yeah. is, is that is that just a is that a political thing or I don't know because I'm always aware that it's how it feels a bit smugly middle class to be able to be in a position to do that and go mm. oh yes I see what you've done there I'm, and that kind of like yeah. it appeals to the intelligent kind of side of you mm. but it, is it is it just a, is it a gut thing do you think or is it a to, to stay with someone politically, or, or is it you know? So is it kind of like I love what you do? I'm, I'm, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. What I think what it though. is. I just sat myself into a think, massive cul-de-sac, and I have no idea what I was talking well, about. I think
1: no matter how much I'm, I love music, and you know everything I do, whether it's been chumbers or, or like theatre stuff or choirs or whatever. I really love melody, and I, I love it if you can write something, write a song that other people. Can sing along to and think that's a nice tune. I love that. It's very basic and it's very kind of Beatles, and that's 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 just part of what I do. But I also love, um, possibly even more than that, I love ideas. And so for me, like I I saw a program about this. This kind of illustrates it. So this this television documentary about Robert Rauschenberg, the American pop artist, and he started off he was doing lots of silkscreen prints and all this sort of thing, and uh, he kept changing what he did, and he. He got to a point where he got all these, these screen prints that everybody loved. And he, he, was, uh, he, went, he was invited over to Venice for the Biennale or whatever it was in 1960 blah or three or something. And he won it. He won the, the, the big prize of uh, the artists at the Biennale. And the first thing he did was ring up his uh, assistant in New York and said, all the silk screens for all the stuff that, that I've just won this with, destroy them all now. And they destroyed them all so he started again on something completely different and to me that's that's brilliant I, I kind of don't care what he did next but I love it whatever it is you're going to do next I love it because to have that sense of not getting stuck in a rut not doing the same thing over and over again that, that pays you wage that, that people love you for but to throw something in that's that's gone somewhere else that that excites me so much
0: that coming out straight away as a theme isn't it you know you you <clears throat> kind of went off the fall because you thought they were being repetitive yeah you didn't want it Like you know the crafts were were they could offer you no more yeah and then chumba wumba you're deliberately doing things that are
1: that's not to say all these people weren't incredibly no no absolutely not because i because i joined the
0: fall i I suppose i got (laughs) the fall later my favorite album is a much later album is extra Kate. oh yeah which just and i love it because of the melodies yeah I just think it's got some fantastic melodies on it Yeah um, But it was kind Sorry, of Sorry this is
1: the sound of a, a cat That's fine
0: we, we love cats So <laughs> all, all cats are welcome um, <clears throat> So but then there's obviously Chumbawamba Where you've, you've, you're going so long and So it's hard to go through Chumbawamba Because I said to people about Chumbawamba And they just look at me blankly A lot of people Yeah Because of, of a certain age gap Yeah And then you say tub thumping mm. And they don't know the name of the song But they know the lyrics Yeah So this must have been Your worst nightmare Surely to have something which is still sung at you mm. daily, almost. You see it, people reference it in, in like kind of people who you wouldn't want to know you mm. and know your music reference yeah. it.
1: And what I like about Tub Thumping, and I still really like it, is is that it kind of be- very, very quickly, probably within months, it became a folk song. It became just a song that that gets that gets sung around. People don't know who sang it. They don't know. They don't particularly need to know any of the politics behind it or anything like that. It's just a folk song, and it and and that's great. It's just we and I feel like yeah, we threw something out that was that wasn't like the other stuff that we did, and and it had a certain resonance that's that's carrying on, and it doesn't affect what I do now at all. It doesn't. I don't. It didn't. I, in fact, one of the things I liked about it was that because it was popular, it meant that we were therefore challenged to. It was almost like, put your money where your mouth is then. If you really believe that you're going to carry on changing and doing weird things now, even though you've found something that works and that's popular, then let's see if you, if you can do it. And I think we did. I think we carried on being eclectic and weird and doing different things. And, and not, losing an audience quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> losing an audience really, really you quickly. You think you like us. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Let's and, play and you I'll, something I, else. Yeah, and
0: I love that. That's, that's great. So for you, it was it, uh, was it a massive cloud with a huge silver lining, or was it literally just a great opportunity? It, to me, it was just it was just
1: joyous. I really enjoyed it, and the whole band were were happy. The the idea that it gave us so many of these like small opportunities to be in places where we would never have been, and to be and to be belligerent and and snotty in those places, that I just thought this is great. We can have a really good time with this. It it got a bit too much. Like it got a bit. Too hard, hard work for, for a lot of people in the band, uh, understandably, because we were just flying around all over the place for two years. But at the same time, every time we turned up somewhere, it was it was it almost literally. It was like, what can we do with this to kind of make it a bit weird and mess it up? So, like for instance, people in this country remember the Brits because it was on telly here and people know about it. But every, almost every time we went somewhere, we'd be like, what can we do that's that's weird with to this? Shoot ourselves in the yeah, front. let's let's mess this up. You know, we were once on some. I can't even remember it's some big Italian thing that was everyone's was like you've got to do this famous Italian you know program and we were there and, and we were getting really messed around and they were like waiting and waiting because somebody else's equipment hadn't arrived and it went on and on and on for hours and hours and in the end we just said okay we're going and we just packed our stuff up and went they were like no no you can't go it's the biggest television in, in, you know in Italy you've got to and we were just no no we're off we just can't be doing with this and we just left and I love that. Just thinking, yeah, it doesn't matter to us. I don't care about selling another, you know, twenty thousand records in Italy. I just think, great. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. Let's just do what we want to do. Because at this point, you were
0: on EMI, weren't you? Yeah. Now, the the in 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 the Chumbawamba timeline, mm. there's certain points which are kind of bigger than others. Yeah. And you signing to EMI was quite a a. a it was a biggie. In the, sm- <laughs> in the universe of Chumbawamba, it was yeah. quite a stir, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Because of yeah. previously what you'd said about yeah. large corporations and including EMI itself.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm kind of, there's a bit of me that goes, this is an obvious Parky type question. Yeah. But um, was that a way of kind of, were you kind of sticking, almost sticking two fingers up at EMI saying, we hate you and we're going to show you how much we hate you
1: no no it was never that no it was lots of things but it wasn't that what it was is that it wasn't it wasn't EMI England for one thing it was EMI Germany who who were very different at the time but that's that's
0: got lost so in the annals of we time, didn't
1: get did we? signed to EMI in England they hated us they always hated us they didn't want to ever have anything to do with us um, all it was was that um, the discussion about whether we should or shouldn't sign to EMI was Came down to, um, once we got rid of the idea that that, that that politically the affiliation between EMI and EMI's kind of armaments division, etc. had gone, that has long since disappeared. So basically it was just a big record company. Um, I don't think it would have had as much resonance, obviously, because we'd, we'd slagged EMI off loads in the past. It wouldn't have had the same resonance had it been, um, you know, um, Decca or CBS or whatever. I think EMI was a particularly big one. And in a way, that kind of made us think. That challenge made it more interesting for us. It was like, let's just do it and just and and play with it and see what we can do. What we had, what we had. One thing we did have, we had these two people working with us at the time because we suddenly realised were out of our depth here. Let's we, and we talked to these people called Doug and Eve. Uh, Doug used to manage. Uh, uh Motorhead he went you know he toured with them for years and years so he really knew how to deal with people he's and he's brilliant and Eve was is like a lawyer and so she she does all this kind of and we we got in touch with him and said right Doug and Eve we need some help you know we've got this song and people people think that you know they people are asking us to put it out and they all want to give us loads of money for it so Doug and Eve came in, came in they kind of went into Negotiations with different record companies with such um, such confidence and belligerence, they basically went in and they said, you're only putting this out if if it looks like this, if it sounds like this, this, you can't change this, you can't change that. And you give us millions and millions of pounds. Well, not literally, but you give us loads of money and and we have control over this and this and this. You can't tell us to do a single thing. We make the videos, we decide who who does this. Um, everything that you can suggest in terms of if it gets a remix or anything like that, everything has got to be covered by the band. So it was really tight, and we had all this discussion before we made the decision. And in the end, I think I think what swung it, to be honest, was the idea that um, well, no, it was firstly it was like if we do if we sign to this, they'll give us enough money that we can keep the band going for about three three or four years on it, and not have to worry about getting paid or giving money away to other people and all that sort of thing, that'd be a great thing to do. But it was also the idea of, wouldn't this be completely weird and freak everybody out? Let's do it. We've been a bit safe recently. We've been playing all the college circuit to, you know, to students, and which is great and it's been really good and everyone's loved Time Bomb and Anarchy and all that sort of thing. Let's do something that just messes it up. And that, I think that's the thing that, that carried it.
0: So you shot yourself in the foot? yeah. Yeah,
1: it was your big shoot yourself in the foot moment. But at the time, it, but it was like once we'd done it, it was like great. Now let's let's see what we can do with this. So you know, every time we went on some American TV show, like what can we do with this that's going to mess it up? Let's let's try all these different things. You know, we played these big gigs in Germany. Is this is something we don't like. Well, let's let's talk about it on stage then. You know, we got told we weren't gonna we would we weren't we wouldn't appear on somebody's national tv station or somebody's festival so many times you know glastonbury you'll never play here again uh german tv you will <laughs> never appear on german tv again all those sort of things over and over again we always just laughed we laughed you know we would go away from these situations at two o'clock in the morning all having a drink and a laugh and thinking what have we done this is <laughs> and doug used to come and say doug, doug's famous phrase to us was because he'd, he'd get really exasperated. Because he'd go, oh no, what have they done now? And he'd go, oh dear, you've rolled the dice. That's what he always said. But he told him Motorhead, look, for God's look, sake. Looking after Motorhead was, was a piece <laughs> of cake compared to looking after you lot. <laughs> you know, Alice goes on TV in America on the, on this national chat show and advocates that, that people should go and steal our album. This yes. is when it's like num- got number three or four in the charts so the next day the record company ring us up and um, it's Doug and Avery at um, what was the record company called Republic Records and uh, and I remember that the phone call we were in we were in Los Angeles and Dunst had the one band mobile phone which was what people had then you know it's like a, it was like the size of a house brick and uh, they rang him up and I remember the phone call just from Dunstan's side of you and it was like yeah hello oh hi Monte, yeah Avery yeah yes I know yes, Alice, yes, we know what she said, yeah, um, really, do you, th- do you think, do you think we're the kind of people that would retract, yeah, yeah, you know, okay, right, okay, bye, and apparently they just said, is there any chance you might retract that statement, and Dunst didn't even have to say no, they just said, okay, we understand, <laughs> and I love that, I just think, great, we can do, it. and it, it it ended up you know, some sh- lots of shops decided not to sell it, and some shops sold it under the counter. Yeah, yeah. And I just think,
0: great. So, what? So you're on this wave of success, and and by all accounts, you're trying to shoot yourself in the foot, and mm. we'll take the opportunity too, mm. as much as you can. But you must be aware of like the journey you've been on. I mean, if you're that little bit older, and, and like you said, from the yeah, right. So you've got that kind of you've spent that time. Having all these influences, producing all this music, and then making the conscious decision to change things up. Yeah. To, to deliberately kind of shake it up to, yeah. to keep it fresh. And you're on, so the, these, right, well, there's two years you turn around the world, and everything. Mm. What people don't realise is that you've still got year, another decade in the tank, haven't you? Or yeah. Or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, so it's 2012 that number yeah. one finally ended. Yeah. Was that just a case of there's only so many times you can reinvent
1: things before you just get, kind of we've done this before no I think no I think I think it was more that might have partly been it but I think it was more that um, just some people in the band started thinking okay I've done this for a long time and I'm exhausted and I want to try doing something else and you know everything we did was was kind of based around big meetings so we were always forever having meetings all the time you know ridiculous much more than we ever played music together in true anarchy style <laughs> yeah and uh, I remember certain meetings you know where people would kind of say look you know I, I just want just want a year off to do something else and, you know and people were having kids and all that sort of stuff so it was totally understandable and so the, so that's why the band kind of started working in different ways and started doing different things but we were still kind of thinking okay now uh, you know Dunstan's not in the band anymore so obviously we're not going to do this song that's got Dunstan shouting at the front so let's do something that's a bit more like this and it was still like let's try and change and do something different and you look back <clears throat> and because this
0: this Um I've said it before and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to bang the drummer about. I'm a massive Cod fan yeah and uh, they burnt obviously a lot shorter time life uh, mm. you know but they're, they're some of their their peer group for want of a better word are now kind of coming back. People, I say peer group, people around the same era. People, there's
1: whole packages of, of, of people like now coming doing back, all that, and, yeah. and they're
0: coming back. Oh, you know, 30 years from this album was all done. Yeah, and they're having these headline tours, and you're thinking, mm. to be honest, you were shit then, and I can't imagine you're any better now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know, for yeah, personal yeah, music is such a subjective thing, and that's what makes it so beautiful. Yeah, but there are certain bands that I took against then, and I still have a thing yeah. about them now. And like, I can't believe that people are yeah. still coming out to see you mm. when you burnt very dimly for a very brief time yeah whereas you've got 30 years of Chumbawamba mm. and that spans was it I don't know I, how many albums was that about 10 wasn't it or something yeah, ridiculous yeah 12
1: 13, I don't know so
0: <laughs> um, like not quite the fall but yeah you get, yeah. You get on there yeah. um, is there some kind of bit that you think is there a bit of you that thinks well I'm glad I'm glad that we've got this this canon of music that can exist mm. I don't want to bang. I don't want to bang the drum about it. I don't want. I don't want that recognition. Or is it a bit of you that thinks, "Hold on a minute, they play three chords. We've got three part harmonies. We've got this that, or the other.
1: You know." No, I, n- I. don't think that at all. I think that. I think that. Um, uh, so, for instance, I think us and could, for instance, are really, really, you know, incredibly different, and yet at the same time, I can, I can meet up with Carl and Alric and and just and we can talk about our respective things that we do and really get on and think, this is great. And I I think, I love code, nothing like him, but I love it.
0: Just apropos of nothing, Mm. you summed up Carl Putnam with um, a phrase that more than anyone else could possibly do. What is that? Velvet of trouser, velvet of voice. (laughs) Where did I I say that? That was... um, (laughs) I think it's on your website. Is it? I think uh, it's on your website about funny. Ferry Across the Air, which is a track. He's got a gorgeous voice. Hasn't his he? voice Beautiful, now, yeah. and I know I could, I could, I could, talk, I could cut mm. chat for hours. But yeah, his voice. He's one of those people that, and he's a thoroughly nice bloke. Really, mm. really, really nice, but a really interesting bloke as well. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, but his voice now is better than it was then, mm. and he looks almost sometimes he ambles on stage. He looks like some kind of homeless person that's taken a... A very well-dressed homeless person, I hasten yeah, to Yeah, yeah. But he kind of that kind of self-aware, that like kind of ambles on. Yeah. And he just strolls on it. And you're thinking, what, you're going to make a fool of yourself here. You've got to. Mm. Because you're wearing the loudest shirt. Mm. You've got rock and roll shades on. You've got leather trousers and brothel creepers. Yeah. There's no way. And he opens his voice and you think opens his mouth and you're just thinking,
1: bloody hell. Yeah, fair enough.
0: That is... Yeah. That is, I mean... Yeah. That, effortless.
1: Absolutely effortless. Mm. Um but I, and I, I think I think with loads and loads and loads of bands where I think that they're not like Trombone and they could never be and we could never do that but I you saw, for instance um, let me think um, it was like the most rock and roll band I can think of let's so all like Jesus and Mary Chain I can go and see or Primal Scream I can go and see Primal Scream and love what they're doing and think yeah that's fantastic I have nothing in common with it whatsoever with the whole kind of rock and roll posturing and the, the, the clothes and, the, and the, that kind of Substones drawl and all that sort of thing, but I can still love it, and but not want Chumbawamba to, to have anything to do with that. And so I don't. I just think great if people go are going off and doing their own thing. But I, we're not going to do it. We're not getting back together. And and I, I've got to. There's some of the bands that we played with, like Levelers. I was never like a massive Levelers fan, but we ended like too, ended up touring with them because we shared kind of ideas and things like that. I was going to
0: say, I, I suspect you're. If you did a Venn diagram, <clears throat> there's the, the bit in the middle between the Levelers fans and yeah fans. I just imagine that at certain points there's probably quite a big crossover there
1: yeah and yet musically I don't think there's hardly any crossover at all but I can chat there's with them. for hours and hours and, there's a bit and, of a
0: folk thing going on it's, uh, yeah so well I suppose the thing so. is that's because the levelers didn't reinvent themselves as much as you reinvented yourself yeah so at different points in your, your you know the, the journey of Chumbawamba there's different yeah. bits there isn't there like mm. you said you had that conscious decision to do the whole folk thing yeah but a lot of your stuff is all keyboards and
1: and and, and, and you've got to respect that their thing that they found, and and I'm I'm never in favor of people sticking to the thing that they found, you know, once it's popular. But I think when if a band stays together and they're kind of mates and they're making they're being creative together, same with the Oyster Band, I think that's fantastic to be together for like forty years and and still doing stuff together and still creating stuff together. That's 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 wonderful. Which which again is the Eric Neville connection yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Um, yeah and
0: also he did uh, there was
1: yeah because he Ari Neville um, he's in the Venn diagram of yes he's the intersection the, 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 he's in the between middle, everything because he's
0: got everything <laughs> and, uh, and so he was worked with Chumbawamba yeah he worked with Cud because he had a, a studio didn't he he had a studio for a while yeah there, um, at Hall Lane did he, did he was, run that for a while yeah was it Jettison no that's not Jettison I can't remember but it was definitely Ari Neville because I know that yeah. Cud did one in Rome there alright yeah um, very badly recorded when in Rome with terrible sound but that's right. still a great album um, yeah. so and now he's obviously he's got his own story and I'd, I'd love to chat to him actually because he's now heading up a brewing company which is yeah which is bonkers yeah so he's doing that um, and you are heading up a choir yeah which is almost to me it's kind of full circle because it's the commoners choir mm. and it's I say folk songs, but they're not, are they? There's, the, the, some of those songs are quite political and humorous and almost like Chumbawamba songs, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's, that's always going to be the case because that's how I write melodies and harmonies. And so there's always going to be that, that kind of echo of all that. But, but in a way, even though that's true, in a way, a choir was kind of... Um, it wasn't the biggest step away from Chumbawamba I could make, but it was quite a big step. Because for a while after Chumbas, I remember thinking... I wanted, I was writing music for plays and for theatre and for Red Ladder Theatre and everything, but I was thinking it'd be great to get something like like a band together and I discussed it with Phil Moody a couple of times, but maybe it could be like this and maybe it could be like that. But then as soon as they had the idea of, oh, it could be a choir that's kind of like Crass, but it's a choir, and that was like, that's far enough away from Chumbawamba for me to think, yeah, I can do that. It's not going to sound like I'm just trying to imitate what I did you know 10 years ago do you
0: think that actually a choir is probably more subversive and more punk and more anarchic than a pop band could ever be because of the history of choirs and that whole harmony thing they're always seen as something which is um, very benign is it benign is that the right word Yeah Yeah yeah. Something which is very harmless Something which is very kind of just like Oh that's lovely to listen to Yes Yeah But actually You can deliver a message Which is quite barbed And quite Yeah Poignant Yeah More so than you can With the wall of guitars Where people are going to Throw their hands up and go Absolutely Oh I'm not listening to that rubbish Yeah
1: Yeah We did a We did a As Chumbawamba We did a gig in uh, we, We were booked to play on this big Kind of radio station gig At Madison Square Garden Which was like Whoa yeah we want to do that And it was like Here's the bill The running order um you 're on uh, it was like two stages that were alternating and it was just all big bands all day i can 't remember who was on but you 're on after um aerosmith right so aerosmith did a set and then we had to follow it and we watched them and it was just it was just this incredible show of you know it was just fire and it was these huge inflatable serpents that suddenly rose from the front of the stage when they were in the middle of one of the songs and kind of you know, waved around over the audience with the. It was all that and yeah, and fire and noise. Very and, Spinal Tap. And it was like, whoa! It was so big. And so we went to the dressing room. And like, right, we we can't just do our normal set. What about doing this? And we went on stage and we gathered around one mic and started with the day the Nazi died as an a cappella thing. Let's just do this because it couldn't be more different to them. We can't match that. I'm not going to, you know, crank up the amp and and try and you know. I, And we did that. And and it's like, we don't care if people like it or not. Let's just do something that makes people think, oh my goodness, what's this after that? And so that's what we did. And it was like, I I didn't care whether people liked it. I just thought, phew, I'm so glad that we can suddenly decide to change in order to... And I I think that works because I think the sweetness and the loveliness and the the lightness of singing a cappella songs, as opposed to that rock and roll massive bluster I think can be just as powerful. Yeah. But in a tiny little. kind Focuses of, you more. Yeah. You've got to listen. You've yeah. got to actually look. Yeah. And the idea, you know, and you know, we had, at my mum's house when when I was growing up, we had records by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And you just think that sounds absolutely gorgeous. I have no idea what what it means or what it's doing. It's just it's just a lovely noise, but you know, a kind of saccharine, sweet pff, nothingness as well. So it was just that idea. If you if you get the, the the anger or the the cleverness of of Crass, and put it and have Mormon Tabernacle Choir singing it, that would be a lovely thing. <laughs> and which is what you got now. Yeah, and which is all, what it all. And and again, cu- and coming back full circle to the Johnny Rotten shirt and get off your ass. I wrote this manifesto for a choir without ever having heard you know, got people together and just said, Here's a manifesto for a choir. What do people think? Do you all wanna does, it, does people want to gather and see if we can pull this off? Um, and we all gathered and I said, Here's the idea. This is the manifesto. We've no idea what it's gonna sound like. I've got one song and it's got it's got um, you know, like twelve words or whatever and it's called Get Off Your Arse And we just sang Get Off Your Arse in kind of ascending nice sort of thirds, fifths harmonies and it was just I just thought, Yeah, it's gonna work. It's gonna be fine. Just having a choir, just singing Get Off Your Arse, that's fine, that'll do me. Because, of course, you even got featured on the one show, didn't you? Um, which was which
0: is the one show. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we did. Yeah, I remember seeing it, yeah. Yeah. it cause, and I was suddenly like, wait a minute. Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> that right. Was very, that was very yeah. odd, because you were there <clears> looking <throat> all smart and kind of. If only they knew, I thought to myself when I watched that, yeah, yeah. but if only they yeah. knew yeah. the reason you're doing this. This is not about yeah. the rights of way that, yeah. that you're celebrating here. This is about, yeah. and I know you said about like the working working man and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought there's so many more barbs to this yeah. than they can possibly realise. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and that that's right. lovely to be able to sneak into those into that world. But
0: you didn't shoot yourself in the foot in that particular instance.
1: No, no, no. I love that. But in a way, kind of in a way, the the uh, the whole choir thing is it's kind of um, it's it is quite sneaky, and it's a way of it's almost a way of allowing the people that give us airtime and media time to shoot themselves in the foot because there are people kind of getting us to do things. We we do quite a lot of stuff now and we, we're turning up at things and singing and I'm thinking, they, they don't know how, what we think about a lot of things and this is great. We get to go and sing this stuff and...
0: You're like an anarchy sleeper cell.
1: Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you, um, I was going to say, I was going to say... Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry, the the um the, the I won't say Ferrari, but the BAE Systems wasn't it? Oh yeah, you, yeah. You were you were due to play, and yeah. then you go, and then you found out, yeah, that the that the one of the sponsors for this was BAE Systems, yeah. And you went, uh, uh-uh, yeah, we ain't playing, yeah. And then they pulled out, didn't they?
1: Yeah, or did they? They pulled out. Yeah, all? it took a week for them to pull out, and that was it was brilliant. That week was fantastic because it started with the classic old Chumbawamba we can't do this we've got to pull out and we've got to do a press release about it and thinking that was my work for, for three months of this year um, and it was all the choir and we were all really excited about doing this well it wasn't our choir it was three choirs that, that we're working with and um, it was writing to them all and saying I'm really sorry we've decided we're going to pull out of this blah blah and everyone was really supportive and then over the next two or three days really supportive everyone was getting in touch saying it's brilliant that you've done that we really support what you've done and so it's like oh well okay well phew okay we've yeah you've lost the work a lot of and everything. People off, but, but yeah. at least it's it's made people think yeah and then word was filtering down that other people were putting out press statements saying and nadine shah did one before we did actually and, and they were saying okay we're, we're thinking of pulling out as well and we're and people afterwards said it needed people to pull out f- to get other people to think oh maybe i should be saying something about this and and just to watch it change, just in seven days, and then suddenly it was like they've pulled out, and the the organisers were back in touch with us, rang it, ringing me up like two or three times in that first day, saying, "Are you would would you come back? Would you come back into the fold if we if we you know if we explain you know that they've left and we're not have anything to do?" And I was like, "Of course we would. We really want to do the the whole thing." Is that like, you know we you know we they were lovely. They were really lovely. They were just they realised they'd made a mistake and the people who commissioned us in the first place were were kind of shocked that BAE were involved in the first place anyway, they didn't know so it was great, we just thought this is how politics can work how ordinary people can go actually we don't want to be part of that big thing and it can snowball and people jump on board and brilliant, great So for you uh,
0: that was obviously a victory
1: Mm.
0: but when you started Chumbawamba and obviously there's, that, there's, there's a political element to it mm. you're in the throes of the Thatcher era mm. you've got the miners' strike you've got, you know, terrible I mean, I say terrible violence but actually, to me, things the worst of it was selling off like council houses and things like that which had this yeah. huge ramifications that we're still living yeah, with today
1: massively, yeah um,
0: what, was, what, would have been, what would have been success back then? is it was it be to change the world would it be to change people's ideas would it be to to get your records listened to by
1: people you wanted them to listen to um, i think well, one of the things that people what that happened when in 1997 98 we took something was that we kept getting asked at radio stations you know what's it like to be become successful after all this time and the stock answer which i truly still believe was that it's not success to sell a lot of records it's absolutely no measure of success to sell a lot of records what 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 success is 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 whether you're you're doing something that you love with with a group of people that you love for so long that's that's how successful is that is is that being able to wake up in the morning and think what do i do for for a living oh i get to write songs and write plays and 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 run choirs and i just think that's fantastic, and it's not luck. I think I've worked really hard for that to happen. But um, but to me, that's successful. When we first started, you know, when we did our first single in 1985 and getting played on John Peel, the very first play that was on John Peel, that that felt like success. Not because it was like great, lots of people get to hear it, but because the John Peel show was a benchmark for how we felt about culture and and how important it was to be. Can you hear that? Can you hear a little Betty? <laughs>
2: um,
1: and so that was successful. But, but you know, playing our first couple of gigs, we would have thought we were successful. Even the first gig where yeah,
0: you didn't I've, know, you had no songs. You, yeah, yeah. You so, had no band. Yeah,
1: all that sort of thing of, of wondering whether we could pull off certain things and getting away with certain things. And yeah, the first time we were invited to go abroad, you know, to play in um, um, Holland with the X. We were like, this is brilliant. It wasn't like, this is great. We've got a new audience. We've got a chance for a new market. There's none of that. It was or, just like, we're going to Holland. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, to Holland. Holland. Wow, boat, brilliant. Boat. Yeah, I'm great.
0: <laughs> um, so it's just a quick, just a brief one, because it strikes me as you're someone who doesn't really give a shit what people think. In fact, you know, you don't, no, that's not true. But what I mean is you don't care what people think. As in you don't, You're not dependent on their approval. Yeah, to want to, to to find that validation.
1: Yeah, but I do like it when people like things. Obviously, 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 yeah. because otherwise, yeah. that's been been
0: a creative person. You want to create things that are, yeah. That are enjoyed. Yeah. But I just wonder because this this is the whole thing about the anarchy thing. Um, and <clears> I had a thought, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it holds water. If I'm honest, my thoughts usually don't when I when I <laughs> Yeah. But I just think it's just that anarchy kind of gets um, it it does a, not a bad rap as it, but it gets very misunderstood. Hmm as it seems like an absence of rules but every anarchist I've ever met seems to care more about people than anyone else yeah they care more about people as a, a society wise yeah and they want to improve things for the greater good yeah rather than than, than just their individual selves yeah um, and I just wondered if that was if that was if there was any kind of um, kind of resonance in the fact that you don't need people's approval you're not dependent on people's approval I wonder if that had any relation to the fact that you've got you, you obviously are, are the believe that there's an anarchist in you there mm. that wants to improve it for the greater good mm. and wants to kind of make those changes and make a, the change that you can make mm. and that's why obviously Chumbawamba and the Commoners Choir is about
1: trying to make those small changes or trying to persuade people but it's not but I I know what you're saying but it's definitely not that, that um, I don't care what people think Cause, because I, I really care because I think at the heart of uh, or at the root of whatever my version of anarchism is, is is that it's about conversation and it's about communication and information so it's all about it's not about me it's about me and you and us having a conversation now I'm totally into the idea that I might do something that you really don't like as long as I've reached you and, and with whatever it is in the same way as the sex pistols might have done on TV it kind of didn't matter whether you liked it or not what mattered was that it it, it opened up debate it made people So it's people the
0: mediocrity think, it's the middle bit that is the bit we don't want
1: The mediocrity the problem with the mediocrity is that to me that's, that's uh, the kind of Labour Party way of thinking which is that you have this great idea at the beginning which is socialism and Marxism and all that sort of thing which is fantastic and then you kind of you kind of stick with it Instead of thinking, "Wow, here's feminism, you know, and here's here's you know stuff about um, all different politics that you hadn't included at the beginning," let's 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 embrace all of it. Let's embrace the world as it changes. Let's let's get into all this. Instead, you can get you can get kind of bolted into a a kind of what what I would say is a kind of mediocre version of centrist politics. Is
0: this like the pre-punk? Because it always felt to me, and I, I was kind mm. of a little bit too young yeah. to really appreciate the full impact of it. But the the reason punk worked was because it shook people out of that yeah way of thinking. It did, and presented people with new ideas. Yeah. like you.
1: Yeah, like you said. In those it, years. it wasn't saying hippie was. It kind of said hippie failed and all that sort of stuff, and and let, let's be really angry about it and shout about it. But actually. Punk was built on a lot of the the stuff that that hippie had, the counterculture yeah. had built. The whole thing about, you know, cooperatives and cooperation and 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 all that sort of thing, and a lot of things that are that are anarchist ideas. But it was like this has got complacent. It really has. And I think a lot of the Labour Party, for instance, even though I'm totally supportive of this this kind of Corbyn Labour push, I'd I'd love it if if it happened because I'm interested to see what happens. But I think there's there's so much kind of bland middle ground in there that's still there, that needs kicking out, that needs absolutely shaking out. These people that are just, they make a career out of politics or in yeah. whatever way And the that irony, is. of course,
0: is that Corbyn's been there 30 years and only now is he changing his opinions to try and please those people to stay as a leader. Yeah, he spent yeah. thirty years shouting, "I yeah. don't want to be in Europe." Being against all, that. I want to support yeah. the Palestinian cause. But yeah, now he's in a position that he yeah. feels that he can't keep saying that. Yeah, because of the yeah to keep in power. Yeah,
1: um, but, but I yeah. think that's really interesting because because we, we were having this discussion yesterday. We went over to Manchester, a few of us, and we were in the choir, and we were talking about um, the philosophy of ego and all that sort of thing. You can, especially, you know, a lot of people mistake the idea of anarchism as being something which is about which is very much about the individual. But actually it's it's all about cooperation. So everything that that I think that I do artistically, which which kind of is done specifically to get up people's noses, is actually also a way of saying, Come on, look at this. Let's let's you know, sit up and take notice. Because um there's some famous quote by I can't I can't remember who it was, someone like um H.G. Wells or G.K. Chesterton, which is basically if you if you don't say anything with any kind of shock value, then no, then if if you keep saying it, everybody just ignores it, and that was Chumbawamba's ethos in a way. If we carry on doing the same album for more than two albums in a row, people stop listening, and let's keep shaking it up because that's where the debate is and that's where the conversation starts. So that's why the Corbin thing is interesting because it, it feels new and different, especially to a, a generation of. Um, young people students who haven't voted before they're suddenly seeing something that looks really interesting and new and for them going on you know I've been on some of the demos and marches recently the past couple of years they're not like the ones that that have been going on for the previous 20 years There's suddenly lots and lots of young people they're not all holding socialist worker placards they bring in their own things that they've written on in felt tip themselves they've got their own agenda they've got their own way of doing things and obviously they're getting a lot of information from the internet, and I just think this is great. New energy. It's there's something opening up here. This is really interesting.
0: There are some old stalwarts there, though, aren't there? Oh yeah.
1: I always think Dennis Skinner's is a bit Loans like Marky Smith. <laughs> <laughs> he just waits yeah. and just comes up and he just it's, shouts things at yeah. certain times. Yeah, and, he, and like Marky e. Smith, he's kind of he's kind he's of been lovable, the same album lovable <laughs> old kind of yeah. you know idiot kind of thing, yeah. and that's and that's great. Yeah, but you need those. You need those old punk people in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. <laughs> But all this but there is a there is a kind of new energy and in a way with working with the choir is because I'm aware that, that uh, this is a ho- entirely different topic but with, with what's happened with digital technology and the fact that we're all on call and online 24 hours a day and you can't go anywhere without wanting to do some work or to check yeah. your social status um, people are gradually in over the past three or four or five years things which which feel natural and connected to the earth and connected to community are are blossoming are going crazy. So everybody's going walking and running and and riding bicycles and doing allotments and baking cakes. Things which involve doing things with your hands with other, or with other people that don't involve looking at a screen. All these things are, are huge now. So choirs obviously I'm I'm involved with lots of different choirs now. I've watched it even just in my short time of doing it. Just go crazy. Everybody wants to go and join a choir. Why? Because it's a way of standing in a room with forty other people, without there being any screens involved, and and just enjoying that human interaction, that debate, that that conversation. Do you think it's that's lovely. why?
0: Do you think that's why football
1: is still successful? Well, going on a football match absolutely still has that. Yeah, because and it always is, has. It's never lost it. it it's,
0: even though there''s seat at stadiums, and now I know they're, they're doing safe, yeah. stand, hopefully safe stand will come back. But yeah. No matter when you go to football match, even if it's only a, a, like lower leagues or you go non-league, there's still a hardcore couple hundred lads that are usually men. Let's be honest. It's yeah, usually, yeah, It's yeah, usually yeah. men. Usually, yeah. kind of. It's still a working class kind of white yeah. working class thing. You know, off the pitch, not on the pitch as much. Yeah, but yeah. Off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. But there is that human, that human interaction, and and I always think it's where everyone who wears to football is whether they learn to swear, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Because the language used
1: yes. inside a football ground. But I it's quite fruity but also I think it is yeah and I think people who who, who don't because we're a generation of people that don't go to church anymore and we don't sing in the pubs anymore at closing time like used to happen in my granddad's time or whatever now what happens is that if you go on a football match it's one of the few places where somebody starts a song and and 15,000 other people start singing it at the same time and nobody's going "Uh, just a minute can we check the key Um, well you haven't got that note quite right it's just like do you know what you've got permission to just sing along. And it's also uh, some of the funniest lovely. songs as well, some of the funniest chants. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's that kind of humour thing. Um, there is that thing about pubs as well, isn't there, that it, <clears throat> I always remember, because the beer used to be a lot not as strong. Yeah. People used to learn how to drink. Yeah. and and Because it, it's beyond it, previous generations to me, so it's kind of one of those things. I always think it's quite fascinating to think that that would have been the case. Mm. But, because obviously now you go to a pub, it's all this lager that lager and people drink to well to quote a famous song yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. it is a bit like that yeah. steamy, they get steaming drunk and, and yeah, that fights in city centres yeah, and yeah. all that curse of, of, of you know kind mm. of that right from the 80s that kind of happened mm. but there's that time and I just wonder if if that's coming back as well because you've getting a lot of those where I am, you've got a lot of kind of breweries around. Yeah. That actually have, have coming up really successful. They're doing things. There. They're they make the breweries and they're opening their own pubs and things like or yeah. bars and yeah. And I'm thinking a shot, and you know people are paying more, and they kind of want to appreciate that a bit more. Yeah. I don't know
1: whether that's kind of bringing back a. You've got the Golden Lion, haven't you, Tomlin? Golden Lion. That's the oddest Pe- pub in the world. Yeah. People taking over pubs that wouldn't have done that, like. 15 years ago and I am thinking we could do something really interesting yeah. with this and yeah a, do you know what
0: there's a bit of me I always keep because they've got the room upstairs to put the gigs on
1: yeah it'd be perfect for a Cod gig
0: but that may be supported by an, an acoustic uh, buff wallet <laughs> by a choir <laughs> <laughs> by a, a small choir right I'm going to wrap this up because otherwise okay. I, I'm, yeah. I'm conscious that um, I could talk all day I, I just explore the avenues well, I'm going to meet Alrick today yeah. in
1: fact we're going to see um, the the uh, what's it called what do they call it Proclaimers um, th- uh, theatre musical oh the, the Sunshine, Sunshine on the Leaf, Leaf yeah which I've never seen and I have an absolute instinctive inbuilt hatred of jukebox musicals I can't stand them yeah but, um, but someone right to told it. me I have to go and see this because it's different to all the others so I'm going to see if, if that's true I think
0: one of the differences <laughs> as well is the Proclaimers themselves
1: yeah. I've got this thing where I like I, Proclaimers. I, I've, I've seen them live. They're, and I thought they're, they were my, brilliant.
0: they're my anomaly because I've got this thing that I just really don't like any Scottish bands. Right. And I don't like them because it's not because they're from Scotland. Yeah. It's just that when people say, oh, do you like this band? Do you like that band? Do you like this
2: band? Mm.
0: And it, I go, I don't like them. And they go, and then suddenly doing something that's Scottish. And it's, it, i got this point where I was like, are there any Scottish bands that I like? And I'm not saying yeah, I don't yeah. hate them. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, yeah. oh, I hate oh, Scottish bands and everything. Mm. But it's just like they don't engage me as much. So things yeah. like. Um, uh, My bloody Valentine, or that yeah. I can understand. People love them. completely understand that. Were they Scottish? My bloody Valentine. No, yeah. no. Or am I think Jason Mewes. Yeah, instance. yeah. I can understand. Orange juice. All Orange juice. What about Rosilos? But I just they they, they they leave me cold. They just kind of <laughs> I'm not into them. Like yeah, yeah. You know I don't hate them. Doug Germans But the Proclaimers, are one of those bands that I yeah. find it really hard. I think you you have to you couldn't be human and not go. That's a cracking song. That's a great yeah. song. yeah. Just the performance value yeah. alone is worth it. Good, simple,
1: honest songs. Really and and, and they kind of
0: have that folk tradition because they have to, because there's just the acoustic guitar or two of them. Yeah. And they have that harmonies that you kind of it's instinctively that folk thing. And some of their songs are actually kind of a little bit more probably barbed than you first realise. Yeah. 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 Um so I do like the proclaimers, but they're kind of my anomaly. So Mm. I, I don't know why. Ones but quite. my other half's like Liverpool. She every band from Liverpool she doesn't like really? or doesn't like any bands from Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like that from Scotland. I'm sure there are loads. Do you know what? I'm, I'm sure yeah, yeah. like, if you went through every band from Scotland, I'm sure they'd be like, Do you know I've, like, I've oh, never no. quite I've never tried to do that where I
1: think of a, of a city. Well neither I, was, but it was just somewhere kept, people kept saying, You yeah. must
0: like them, you must like them. I was like, I don't really like them. And they're going, are You sure? And I was like And they go, Well and I don't and I was thinking, are there any Scottish bands? And I'm sure there are. Yeah, yeah. But I can't think of any off the top of my head. And it's really, it's a weird anomaly. Mm. But it, like I said, there's a, probably a million bands there that yeah. I haven't thought of that go, actually, I don't like them. Yeah. Oh, I've got that, I've got that album, I've got that album. <laughs> I, I can't think of the top of my head. Yeah, but yeah. Though, I think it was things like Teenage Fan Club, yeah, whereas yeah. everyone yeah. loved them at the time. And yeah. I was just like, it's a bit guitar. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a melody man, I like a melody. Yeah. That's what pulls me into a song.
1: Roddy Frame, Aztec Camera.
0: Well, I know he's the great songwriter. Yeah and and of course you know, yeah just yeah, melodies just I know, lovely I know, melodies but it's yeah. that scottish thing isn't it that scottish pop thing um mm. who were the the girl band the scottish one that, that kind of that they had that that sound didn't they in the 80s what was the was the it a garbage no yeah, yeah. no oh no don't get me started on garbage um, i i they oh, were oh uh,
1: altered images well altered
0: Images. I okay so I altered did. images well I, th- I don't think you can not like claire grogan can yeah. you I think she's the one and of those Scottish. Isn't she? She's Scottish. Yeah. She's very Scottish. She yeah. did Gregory's Girl. Didn't That's she? She right. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think as a person, you kind of, of a certain age, you have gotta like Claire Grogan, because she just seemed so nice that yeah. it would have been illegal not to like her, yeah. like a puppy or something. You, know, <laughs> you, you can't <laughs> yeah. not like it. It's yeah, brilliant. yeah. Uh, anyway, look, see, this is why. Okay. This is why we're going 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 down paths that we need to so, go. Yeah. Um. Thank you Ooh. ever so much. Yeah. Thank you. Um. I guess what's next With Buff Wally is is more is more choiring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And more appearances on the One Show. I'm writing the music for um, uh, Bertolt Brecht's Mother Courage this year as well with Red Ladder, which is a, a big deal for me. That's great. Getting to rewrite music that was yeah. part of a Bertolt that's Brecht. Quite, that's me. quite
0: heavy, isn't it? That's quite-
1: yeah, it's great. though. I'm, I'm lightening it all up. So where is that going to be? That's okay. on in Leeds for a month sometime later in the year with Red Ladder <laughs> Theatre. But that's, that's great. That's a big challenge. Lovely.
0: So there's plenty ahead. Yeah, all sorts. There's plenty of, of, of opportunities yeah. to shoot yourself in the foot and and, yeah. and change the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and a quick word on Burnley. F6. It's just such a lovely well, no, no thing not... that's happened for, for the town. It's they're, great. They're, are they incredible they
0: were, this year? They're eighth, seventh, seventh. seventh, seventh.
1: Yeah, and we, we're in Europe. That's incredible. And everybody's saying, "Small town in Europe, we're just a small town." In Can't Europe. wait to it's see AC lovely. Milan or Juventus rock oh, up yeah. It to, yeah, it's great. And it's because it's 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 kind of um, the club is 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 really well run, unlike any other Premier League club. They're gonna have a shock if they turn up
0: to Turf Moor. I say the facilities around Turf Moor aren't quite the same. It's as gonna they be are. great.
1: It's gonna be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Lee's, it's just but it's, gonna be busy. the funny thing is that everybody in Burnley thinks they're all gonna go and follow him in Europe. So it's <laughs> gonna be like. Three or four thousand people on the ground, and 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 fifteen thousand in, in some town centre in like Zagreb or Can you imagine going? Belarus. Speaking <laughs> this, what the hell are you saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And we'll be looking around for a what is it? Morozers pint. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: We have to we got out wet on these chips? Um, yeah, right. Thank you ever so much, Boff. Yeah, Cheers thank you. That. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you've got any comments, I don't know why I say that. If you've got any comments. I mean, who, who literally gets to the end of an e- uh, listening to one of these and goes, oh, you know what, I really must email him. Why, why, I wonder what his email is. Because I have some <coughs> salient points to add to the discussion. A, it's recording. And B, you probably don't get to this far anyway. Or see, who, who would really care? Um, that was Boff. I had a really nice time talking to Boff. Um, really nice chap. And it's really weird. We had some weird connections as well. Uh, people he knows. One of the people in his choir... Chap called Dave he used to do a fanzine that I used to buy. That would I know, I know, I know. Coincidences are crazy, aren't they in my life. It's rock and roll all the way through. Listen, um I hope you had no, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope had a nice time. Really. I I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um I and hopefully you'll be um uh subscribe or, uh, or you can say, you can send me an email if you wish. Hello at epicureben.com. Uh, otherwise I'll um, I'll see you later. Ta-ra.